today is for Amy. Hello. Hey, Merlin. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yep, 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 yep. It's Tuesday. It's the optimistic day. Optimistic day. The auspicious day. Yeah, yeah. I struggle because I was telling my kid it's the optimistic. I said, "What's today?" She says, "The optimistic day." I'm saying, "Oh, you, you say know, it. You saying... say it at home too, not just not just a professional environment." Oh, oh gosh, no. The the, uh, where does one begin? You know, the days of the week. You know, you 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 can pick your nose and you can pick your friends, but but the days. <laughs> Thanks. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> no, pick, I do. You could pick your seat. You could pick your guitar. Um, there's probably other things. You know, they call it a plectrum in England. Mm. But, uh, you know that, you're Dan Benjamin. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, um, yeah, but like, uh, you know, she's 13. I think you have someone who's around 13 in your house. And it's like, you know, it's, everything's a thing. Uh, but, you know, I said, yeah, you have to understand. And I said, well, why is Tuesday the optimist? She said, I don't care. You're just the thing you say. And I'm like, but you have to understand, in my opinion, which makes it the truth, <laughs> the, uh, in, in my in my opinion, we have, as far as I know, you know, you can call this arbitrary. You can call anything arbitrary. Life is arbitrary. You know what I'm saying? It, it, we got the seven days of the week, more or less. That's from God. Okay, Genesis. Read a book, and you know. And I said, I, I said, I said to her, I says, I feel like almost every day of the week has a strong valence for me. Now, I will allow some difference of opinion here. And Dan, I'd love to hear your thought on this. Sure. In my opinion, there are two days of the week that have the strongest valence. Emotional, existential, ontological, teleological, mm-hmm. uh, physical, metaphysical, pataphysical. Wow. I think those two days, I think those two <laughs> days of the week, I think for, in my opinion, and I, you can you can disagree with me within, you know, within uh you know normal parameters. Yeah. It was my feeling that Friday and Sunday are the two days that historically for me, pound for pound, you know, inch for inch, hmm, are the days that have the strongest valence. Okay. And by that, I mean, you say stuff like this. You ever said stuff like this? Wow, today really feels like Friday. Or wow, today really doesn't feel like Friday. Yeah, sure. Okay. Now, the yeah. corollary, as you say, for me is, I, I, uh, I can't, I, I could, I could count you know, on, on, on probably a, a couple hands, the number of times I ever said, wow, today really feels like a Tuesday or today does not feel like a Tuesday. Now, before I continue, Dan, do, mm. do you feel that my truth is correct? That yes. Days yes. Generally have a valence. They do. May I ask which days you find to have this, a stronger valence than others? Well, let me ask you, backing up, zip, zip, zap, TiVo, TiVo, TiVo. Do, do you feel like some days have a stronger valence than others? I mean, I, valence isn't necessarily the word I would have used. What's your but, word, Dan? Speak your truth. Yes, but no, I, I like it. I think we can, I mean. Oh, come on. Don't play along with me. It sickens me. I have but don't to, you feel I like there's a Friday feeling? A there's, uh, some people have a Thursday feeling. To me, you know? there is there is a difference, but it is diminished by the fact that we all don't go into like old school work. Like I've been watching Office Space. Dan, Dan don't be a historical. And just so we've been watching Office Space, 
Love that. And movie. it starts, I mean, it's all here in Austin. It's fun to like point out, oh, that's around the corner and that's thing goes over you here. You do that on the way to work. Damn, it feels good to be a guest. Well, and that's the thing is like, I remember, I just, this brought back so many memories Such for me. Such a time capsule, the of, dot com era, yes, Y2K. Absolutely. Of driving and sitting in traffic to get there with, you know. Somebody in a uh, walker's beating you, Dan. Like I used to wear a tie to work because we had to. Absolutely. Like, who wears a tie to work anymore? Like it's you're normal. Like, you're like Mr. Anderson. Like you got to show up. <laughs> you right. got to show up at uh, at Softy Mike or whatever it's called. Like wearing wearing a necktie in a tech. I mean, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh-huh. it's like uh-huh. in a tech. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. But it's like yes. so weird that like and and then they're angry at the printer with PC load letter and I'm like. Yes, because part of my job as the IT guy was to fix the printers. And I was always having to clear paper jams and stuff. And it was like, I lived, I lived that. I lived it. I really, and I was saying to my son, I'm like, this is exactly what it was like. Like, and when they, when they drop kicked that printer, I'm like, Uh we, what we all wanted to do it. Like, that was a thing that was like our anthem was like, imagine taking a printer out into a field and beating it with a baseball bat. Like everyone wanted to do that tangibly. So for me, not going into the office as much anymore in that way, going in and like, you know, the okay, days true, true, true. are different. Especially with kids not in school. In school, like, right. You know, and this is why I used to like, you know, well, if I'm being honest, why I, what, you, you pop on a 365? No, they're still out of the line. This is the LaCroix passion fruit Is this your, is this your uh, pole dance LaCroix again? Oh, man. Pole dance LaCroix. <laughs> that, used to, that used to be my Pomplemousse name. Um, so, but, and that's just why I used to have a little fun with John Roderick, because I genuinely, when, when you know, their, their whole uh, domicile was living under the same roof, and the kid was going to school, and John was doing oh, yeah. whatever he does, and his lady friends being fancy w- with her fancy work, I used to just be agog that John could forget uh, don't tell him I said this, that John could for- forget or misremember that the show that we have recorded, I think almost every week for 10 years, over 10 years, and for many years have recorded at, well, historically, Monday at 10 a.m. for right. years and years and years. It's a standing appointment. Dan, Dan we don't need to- Pacif- do Pacific time, Pacific time. So, yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, what would that be? Uh, 7.45 Eastern right. time. <laughs> right. That's right. Whatever. Uh, it's tomorrow. But- <laughs> like, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, like you and I, we don't need to do pre-flight every week and go, we still good today? Because it doesn't, I mean, I, it's all my calendar because that's how I roll, but yeah. I would show up no matter what. But with, with John, he would contact me sometimes on a, on a, 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 well, let's put it this way, a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday, because he never knows what day it is and say, are we recording? And I would say, yes, we're always recording. This is so are you do. saying, is your superpower that you always know what day it is? Is that kind of what you're saying? Oh yeah! Like if you just if you just if I just really ask you what day what time is, it, it is you're gonna yeah, know right away. Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in that case, like if you well, here's the thing. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you got the handout, but your kid generally goes to school five days a week for a fixed amount of time. Right. Asterisk, asterisk. Like if it's Memorial Day or whatnot. But you know, the, you generally your kid goes to school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. What you're saying so about John? How could though, you is not that, know whether it's a weekday? Well, you definitely know if it's a weekday. But are you, okay. what you're saying about our friend John, are you saying that he's not even aware whether or not it's a weekday until something happens so, to uh, jog I'm his I'm going to tell you something. Dan Benjamin, I have two friends where I rarely know if it's a bit. Um, the one that's the, the second most often I wonder if it's a bit is John Roderick. And I'll, uh-huh. let, I'll let your mind uh, wander <laughs> about who the first could be. 
Okay. Is this a bit? I wonder a lot of the time. But with John, I can't tell if it's a bit because he's a real smart guy. But he seems to be he seems to be missing a couple red wires sometimes. <laughs> well, they've been clipped. They've been carefully removed. Yes, yes. Usually, yeah. Usually, and then the rubbing it turns into a briefcase. But <laughs> that's a funny thing. That um, now now because of my particular set of wires and how mm-hmm. I am, uh, I I have. I've gone from wondering, oh gosh, you know, what, what special flower am I that I have ADHD and anxiety to like going like, oh, it's interesting. I experience, and I am using it as a verb there. I'm not using it as a noun. Otherwise I, I would have to do self-harm. Uh, I'm not experiencing a lot of stuff the same way as others. And I, I'm kind of um, shocked or ashamed or surprised that it took me as long as it did, even with a, an according to Hoyle diagnosis of ADHD, that I experience things extremely differently from other people. And, and believe it or not, everybody experiences a lot of stuff differently from other people. And again, reading this this anxiety book I've been reading for <laughs> three minutes before I fall asleep every night uh, has really got me to think differently about that, especially in that sense of like, I think I can't speak for everybody with ADHD. I mean, they won't even stand still long enough for me to speak for them. But I do think that there's a certain, or like you with your three-letter condition of your mm-hmm. OCD. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that one experiences a thing very differently, um, and so often more intensely or not at all. And you know, we're, I think I think we're trying to disabuse ourselves of words generally, like psychopath and sociopath and things like that, borderline personality disorder. There's all kinds of different things that cause you to experience the world in a very different way. And one thing they almost all have in common is that in the in the absence of stuff that makes other people feel kind of screwed up, you might not feel screwed up. And in the absence of things that make other people very rarely feel screwed up, you might feel screwed up constantly. And it's impossible to know what the other person, what their experience is like. Yeah. Now it's back to like, you know, the first month of college and like, do we see the same green? But like, for, for example, like I've been, I've been playing music again. I've been working on this song. And as it happens, the song I think is going to be about, you know, grave anxiety and, um, and I'm just thinking about how, like, there's this line I'll probably steal from Stephen Sondheim that's going to be a version of uh, Fun Rings, Door Chimes, In Comes Company. Because the entire time I've ever heard the, the, the first, that Bobby song from Company, the first thing I think is, oh, no, I hate it when the phone rings and the door chimes. When the phone rings, you know, you know I'm talking about the Stephen Sondheim, Sondheim musical. Yeah, yes. phone rings, door chimes, in comes company. <laughs> See the Raul, Raul Esparza version? It's the best one. But uh, the one with Neil Patrick Harris is fine. It's fine. But this is that song with I'm Not Getting Married. Have you ever heard that song? You know, you know that song, I'm Not Getting Married no, could today? You, could you sing it for me a little bit? <clears throat> sing it a little bit. Oh, oh, it's a patter song. So it's like, pardon me, but I'm not getting married today. Oh, I have heard that one. Yes. Yeah. Today is for <laughs> Amy. Um, anyways, but when I hear phone rings, door chimes, in comes company, I'm like, shit, dog. Phone rings, door chimes, I go curl up in a ball. Like, please don't ring bells around me. And I know that's true for a lot of millenniums as well. Um, what I'm trying to say is, is it's interesting to me that like very few of us would profess publicly to believing very heavily, seriously, and unironically in ghosts. And yet ghosts haunt almost all of us in one way or another. Because we're seeing, well, not seeing necessarily, unless we have like, I don't know, paresthesia, synesthesia type things or, you know, or, you know, schizophrenia. That's um, where you feel sounds. Yes, and I'm going to talk about a guy who who uh, who, who uh, associates colors with sounds. I'm going to talk about it in this very broadcast. Um, but, which is Wait, are you are you saying you prepared for this? Is that what I'm hearing? This is one where well, you prepare. I might I might have. You know what they I say? Love yeah, the ones they, where you prepare. 
Thank you, Dan. You know what they say? Uh, it, it is said. <laughs> People were walking up to policemen in Chicago. It was so hot. Man, this show must be a real mess for anybody trying to get into it. Yes. We should create a... Yes. Yes. <laughs> we should create a syllabus. Okay. People have been asking uh, for that. I feel like it's too late now. People who are in, yeah. they're in now. And they either yeah, they get it stop, or they don't. Stop, and then they, stop. Yes. they get out. Yes. But, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, 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 Now you're going to make me seem... watch it again. I had, you know what? I, I had know. to watch again. I had to watch Goodfellas over the weekend again. Oh, you know, I, that, uh, they got a big remastered version of that. It's still a little bit noisy, but. I watched the remastered version. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, I, I, I got it on the iTunes, but yeah. It seems like they just, all they did was brighten the colors, but actually make everything a lot darker. Yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of the the direction these days. Uh, they just have a black time. screen the whole time, and then you yeah. just hear their voices. Someone to sit in my chair, someone to darken my TV. Uh, what was my point about about ghosts? Because uh, ghosts, ghosts, and spooks and stuff. Because part one aspect of of my afflictions is that, and I'm just becoming so acutely aware of how long and how often I've done this. Oh, okay. So here's another one. And now sometimes it's interesting to look at things one doesn't have to be able to, you know, you judge the bitter by the sweet or whatever, right? So like, you know, it's really interesting. One point this guy makes in this book, Unwinding Anxiety, a point that I think is really interesting. And I think he's, I I don't think he's making a sign, although he is a physician, I don't, I don't, I can't say that this is a scientific point, but it has truthiness to it. The people who are depressed tend to ruminate on the past and people with anxiety tend to, um, or get fretful about the future. And of course, you know, the sad irony is that anxiety is a huge component of depression or component, as you say. <laughs> so, I mean, you can certainly have both, but I, I feel like mostly historically, I've not been the sort of person that keeps replaying the same conversation from 1980 or something. And not that that's bad or weird, but like, that's not my ghost title. My, my oh, ghost is the tiniest little thing. Like the Penny Arcade guy says, it turns into chain worrying. I start, I make this uh, unholy spider web of my own design. Like I spin out all of this stuff into like, I, to, to use a wonderful word, I catastrophize those kinds of things. And that's a ghost because none of that stuff is there. None of that stuff is present. None of that stuff is happening. If you want to think of it in terms of like being on the savannah and being chased by the, you know, TK wild animal. Um, but it, it is making me, I would like to think or hope that it's making me more sympathetic to other people's ghosts. And that we we can't really ever know or fully understand other people. Is that making sense? I mean, ghost, yeah, you know it, what I mean? it makes sense in this in the way that you're using. It could ghost be now intrusive. It, it could be intrusive thoughts. Intrusive thoughts make sense, and I think for for a lot of people, but the, but there are things that aren't there, Dan. That's what I'm saying. Right, they're it's not like real. Everybody's got almost everybody. If you're like a hundred percent neurotypical, um, I, mean, I don't know if anybody is. I mean. <laughs> How, like you see, we, once a month or, or every couple months, we talk about that same article we read in Wired about people. I think we talked about this: people who can't visualize things, like people who can't, like the same way that I could sit here and go, "Oh, I can imagine uh, a light gray ball that's been shadow, that's like got a shadow to it, and it's sitting on a blue." Oh, table. You, Merlin, you're talking about the thing where you say, "You say if I say the word dog to you in your," and I say, "Think about it in your mind." You, you have actually a file card like, for dog, but you can't see a dog, let alone a let alone a border collie. But if you saw a dog in real life, you could say that's a a dog, and it might be a border. Oh, collie. absolutely. It's not. It's not a full on Oliver Sacks thing. I don't think. But now that's. I think that one's super interesting because, like, when. 
Like if a person was unsighted, like would they know they're unsighted if people didn't tell them, hey, you're blind, dude? Or in this case, how would you win? At what point in your life would you figure out that you your your mind does not work the same way as others? That you, you know what I'm saying? That, yes. you're, that your pipes and wires differ in such a way that it must be so shocking the one day that somebody notices this about you and sort of tests you on it. And you're like, wait a minute, you can do, like, why does everybody else on the planet have a superpower that I don't have? But that's all part of, all those ghosts are part of our interior world. All the things that only we know about, even if we don't know we know about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anyway, this has been an interesting book. It's, it's still a frustrating book. Boy, like, I really want you to use this app. And the app makes you sign up as soon as you open it, which not a good sign. Unwinding anxiety. Anyway, uh, but the thing about a Tuesday, now, you know, because it's truth, my truth, my feeling is that Tuesday is the day that, ha- hmm, it's funny how, is that your ghost? What's your ghost? Anyway, and so <laughs> it's an optimistic day. I slept okay. Um, Are you still wearing uh, wearing the watch at night and sleeping, tracking that way? I do. I do. I've been really focusing on, um, I got a Kindle sample, not a Kindle. Well, you know, there's a Kindle book about uh, biofeedback that I just got the Kindle thing for, which I was hoping it would in the early pages say, go download this app on iOS if you want to do biofeedback. Yeah. For those of you just catching up, biofeedback. Uh, it's a thing I always heard about in the 70s. And it's one of those things that was in the rat king of like yoga, est, rolfing, vegetables. You know, w- one of those things that seemed very California to a boy from... Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad we don't have to eat vegetables anymore, aren't you? I mean, that it should fat be is gone. <laughs> it should be optional. Big Brother doesn't make you meditate. You know, Dead Kennedy said that about Jerry Brown, but that was, you know, 1980 or so. Yeah. Anyways, uh, but uh, but then I think, I've, I've, no, I've told this story and I'll tell it again because it was really interesting for me. I was having a lot of, uh, believe it or not, at the college where I was literally the dumbest person at the school, I had a lot of stress about, like, I, I felt very um, uncultured. I felt very dumb. I felt like everybody else had read things I didn't read. I've never been to France. I can't speak French. I say that not out of envy, but out of feeling... Very, I really doubted my abilities because I should doubt my abilities. I went to public school in Pasco County and did really poorly. I, I'm, it's important to remember Merlin is clever, not smart. Being clever is, is fun, you know, when you're yelling at a movie screen with your pals, but going to a, a somewhat elite liberal arts college, it's, it's nice to have a little bit of smarts. And that, that's more hard, hard work. And I was really stressed. And I went to see, I remember his name, Mike Alexander. I went to see the, um, you know, counselor dude. And uh, he said, oh, okay, I want you to try this. Forgive me, I know you've heard this. But he hooked me up this little, dumb little machine. I was like, oh God, is this going to be one of those, the master situations? And um, he's like, no, just try this. And so there's this light that's going to come on. And what I want you to do is I want you to sit here and there's going to be, the, well, I think it might have, I want to say it was maybe a red light and a green light. It's not important to the story. Mike Alexander sits me down and he says, okay, we're going to put this on your finger, put this blood pressure thing on your arm. And what I want you to do is I want you to, to concentrate on these lights. It, the lights are the light is red right now, and I want you to turn the light green. And I said, "Okay, how do I do that?" He says, "Well, you you, uh, you tell me." He's like, "I want you to sit here, and I want you to turn the red light to green, and I'll be back in you know half an hour or whatever." And I was like, "Okay, all right, all right, fine." You know what they say about California? You know, it's like a bowl of cereal, you know, uh, fruits, nuts, and grains, or something. Anyway, so he, so he hooked me up, and and. Um, and I, of course, you know, I, I like to think that I'm not competitive and I love to think that I hate games, but I also enjoy excelling at something I'm not supposed to excel at because that's how I roll. Mm. And I figured out, I tried everything I could think of. 
I mean, I tried some Jean Grey stuff, you know, using my brain, put my hand up against my temple. And eventually I said, oh, let's see if I can, let's see if there's something that I can do involving like some change to my body. Long story short, what I figured out was I could, what I would now maybe call mindfulness meditation or mm-hmm. breathing exercises. And uh, eventually it turned green for a sec, you know, turned red again. And I was like, huh, that was really weird. So what was it? He goes, that's biofeedback. And what you're doing is like, it's doing a combination of like all these different things that, that like your watch and your phone can do now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're, it, it's monitoring your pulse. It's monitoring your breathing. It's, it's almost a little bit like a, like a lie detector. It also measures, I think, things like conductivity, electrical conductivity of your skin and uh, like temperature of like your fingers and stuff like that. And so, you know, so it's, you can fake biofeedback, which I am doing right now. I'm faking biofeedback with my uh, pulse oximeter because with the pulse oximeter, I do get breathing rate. I do get... Uh, pulse so when are you are you sleeping in this with this thing on when i go to bed i will depending on my mood i'll either like i'll read a a cyborg at night with the watch and the oh i'm absolutely like a cyborg (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) meet moop (laughs) i'm a techno dj in my dreams (laughs) but i I lay there with the thing on my finger like you do and uh and what's neat is the app for this uh, uh, gosh this company makes this blood oximeter they have the ugliest logo i've ever seen in my life massimo not not the skate stuff but uh You'll see, you'll see their ads sometimes, but it's a pretty good pulse oximeter. My shrink encouraged me to get to like try and monitor how I breathe when I sleep. Spoiler alert, not great. Um, but I'll sit there and like, and the app is kind of neat. Like it's got a live view where you can watch the trend line. You can even turn on beeping for the pulse. The beep changes. So the beep changes, if you imagine the two axes, there's a beep for your pulse. Like, you know, it, it, every time you, you pulse, it makes a beep, but it also has a pitch change. The pitch goes up if your pulse is rising. The pitch goes down if your pulse is falling. So I'm faking a little bit of biofeedback with mm-hmm. that because part of my Omnibus project right now, in conjunction with this book, and this is something we talked about on Dubai Friday last week, uh, is to sort of place things like anxiety somatically, like find a place in your body where that feeling you associate with anxiety is. And instead of trying to change, like you're never going to, you're never going to not be triggered by your triggers, but we do have a way to govern your response. And if you can learn the idea of biofeedback, as I understand it, as hokey as it sounds, is that you're going to learn to have some control. There's a phrase that, that they use in the biofeedback community, something having to do with like, if you can regulate your body, even just a little bit, you might be really surprised how quickly you notice a difference. And to your point earlier, do I track my sleep with my watch? Absolutely. And I'm telling you, if I if my pulse is 90 when I'm sleeping versus my pulse is 75 when I'm sleeping, it may not surprise you to know the difference in my quality of sleep and feeling of restedness is very different. You're starting with the physical. Instead of saying, I'm going to jam my anxiety into a box, that works great. I'm instead going to think about trying to focus on my, on my breathing and consequently my heart. And uh, so that's the thing I've been working on. And I've been looking into maybe even thinking about, uh, you know, looking into maybe if I can find a non-scammy looking version, some kind of a bespoke biofeedback machine, because I think it's a very interesting idea. When I was a kid. I mean, it's, it's doing a lot of like, you're a meditator, Dan. You've been a meditator for, I don't know, 60 years. And, <laughs> but you learn eventually, like, learn or discover that it's this, not that or that or that. 
And then like, if you needed to, like, wouldn't you be able to, if you were stressing out, haven't you on more than one occasion said, okay, I need to do some stuff right here to regulate how this is going for me. Isn't that kind of the point? You're rehearsing life. Yeah. You're practicing. That's why they call it a practice, right? When you're sitting there doing your meditation, you're it, you think of the meditation as the activity, but really that's the, that's the practice for the real life. It's not, it's not, it's not about Zen. It's not about relaxation. It's not about sleep restfulness. Mm -hmm. If there's, if there's one thing that could make, um, even me as a real piker, when it comes, I don't know if that's racist, real piker, when it comes (laughs) to meditation, there is something I do know, which is like, as much as I love some of the apps and technologies and things that are out there, I love them a lot. I think there's a true, there's a great value in things that help you relax whether that's listening to Max Richter's uh, uh, eight-hour sleep album or whether that is using a meditation app, quote-unquote. But the act of mindfulness meditation is a very different sort of animal. You're going to be really bummed when you're not relaxing and, in fact, you're feeling very keyed up and maybe very emotional. Mm -hmm. And you're going, I'm like me for 15, 20 years. Oh, I'm doing this wrong. I don't feel zen. You know, I, I don't feel like a Johnny Ives white room. I feel like all this tumult that I normally fly right past is now front and center in a way I don't know. I, I don't know how to deal with. I'm not listening to a podcast. I'm not, you know, riding in a car. I'm just sitting here with however I think and feel with thoughts I don't want to think and feels I don't want to feel. And I think it, it, up into the era of this program starting. I was still kind of of the mind that like, I'm doing this wrong because those are there. It's like, no, that's exactly the point. I mean, it's like, you know, taking a dump and being mad that you have to flush. It's like, no, that means it worked. Like if you're feeling keyed up about that, that's the thing that you're going to be working on. Kind of. Right. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And and that's, what's important about the whole mindfulness thing is that you want to focus on the thing that you're supposed to be focusing on, which your sort of, your mind will tell you on its own. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do feel like there's a certain kind of powers, as far as my own ghosts anyway, there's a certain kind of, um, well, let's put it this way. I think it's a little bit of a fool's errand to think that your you and your very smart prefrontal cortex will be able to boss the rest of your brain into behaving in a way that, that you would find desirable. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're like me and you only do that when you're stressed out. You know what I mean? Like, imagine if you only went to the gym when a girl was mean to you. Like, that's not a way to get ripped. <laughs> right. And you, you're probably going to get, you're going to throw that kettlebell around and, and get all, you're probably going to tear something. Mm-hmm. Um, there was probably a point to this. It started with Tuesday. We're talking about your sleep. And you, said, I, you said, I slept okay last night. Yeah, I did sleep okay last night. What did I watch? Le- I've oh, come up, I, I, was it, did you watch yeah, yeah, something nerve wracking before bed and it disturbed um, you? <laughs> I think, I think I did. Well, I started, the other night I watched several of my favorite episodes of The Walking Dead uh, from the period with the governor, you know? <laughs> no, I've never seen that show. Oh, oh, there's a, one of their last, I think, unimpeachably great seasons. And I watched that one, which is very stressful. R.I.P. Herschel. Um, I've come up with then, a brand new uh, evening yeah. sleep routine. I want to I want to tell the, you and the listeners about. So oh, I'd like to hear about that. It's really uh, effective. What, where are we in this? I recorded, didn't I? Please tell me I recorded. I got your end. Yeah, it's fine. look at that. No, 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 you don't got my end. I got I mean, my the show. Will I never do that. Air, but. yeah, it shouldn't air. It shouldn't air. Uh, and uh, uh, there's several things that came up. See, now, this is one of those ones where I'm gonna have to open this up in Descript and like and find find out what this was about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally do. Descript will transcribe it for me and say that, well, it wasn't about anything. You talked a bunch about ghosts and it made it kind of weird. 
Thanks very Merlin much, Descript, for making this show possible, Merlin. Thanks, Descript. Bok, bok. Why are you putting Mike Alexander on blast? <laughs> Blowing up his spot. I'm going to tell you a line I love. I love uh, Elvin Peter and his neighbor sitting there. One of my favorite line readings in all of Office Space. Peter goes, let me ask you something. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anybody ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? And they just hold on his face in this very flat way. The neighbor goes, no, no, man. Shit, no, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, <laughs> man. <laughs> That's such a great line reading. It's and he's he's got this blank look on his face, like totally. Are you even saying that right now? Are you even saying right, that? right, right? Uh, I, there's something I don't Break know. Break the wrist, I mean, walk away. I love the um the shared wall problem. <laughs> yeah, like there's what, what do you say? Like there's a woman on channel whatever it looks like channel Carol. nine breast exam. Oh, <laughs> it's like. I can't believe how much I mostly remember about you were this remembering movie. everything about this movie. Yeah, did you ever see the original cartoon, the original Mike Judge cartoon? Um, yeah, with really, uh, what's his really name? Setting with Milton. It's, Milton it all with started the stapler, with Milton. Yeah, yeah. He, we could listen to it after eleven at a reasonable volume. <laughs> From nine um, to eleven. Nine to nine eleven. Oh, at, at a reasonable volume. Yeah, and uh, you know that guy Ron Livingston, who in my house for whatever reason we call uh, Ron Jeremy. Um, Ron Livingston, who's like, I think a man from penis films, but, uh, that was one of my wife's crushes. I'm going to, I'm going to blow up her spot. Wait, Ron Jeremy was? No, no. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who plays, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the, you know, the kid, the kid with the fish knocks down the wall dealing with Gary Cole. What's his name? Ron Livingston. What's his his character's name? Peter, Peter, pay, no, Peter, Peter Peter. Gibbons, Peter, Peter Gibbons. Uh, what's his, what's his, what's the, what's Gary Cole's line? What's happening? (laughs) So he's so good. I uh, I, I want to recommend this movie. Everyone who has movie. not seen Office Space at all, or who has not seen it in the last twenty years, needs to see it again because it is it is something. You don't and think it's, it's too much like up. from a different era, like in various ways? You know, it's tough for me to say because from from my standpoint, no, because I lived it, it makes sense, and I'm watching it with my yeah. 13 year old, and he's getting it, but like he, ha- it's I feel like it's almost in a historical exploration for him. He'll be, w- were printers really like that, Dad? And I'm like, yes, they were. He's like, did they really have problems? And like, yes. He's like, what was it like working in a cube? I'm like, I was gonna say the cube, the cube farm part really always gets me so much. Th- there's no good cube farm. Like they're just looking at them, whether it's hi again, Mr. Mr. Anderson, he's, he's in a little bit of a cube form before he goes out on the ledge, but you know, there's the high walls, there's the low walls, there's the different things, but there's just something so basically undignified about working in a cube. I mean, well, you know I mean? because really, if you think it feels about like it, you're an egg in a crate with you know? lump, the whole, all the scenes with Lumberg where he comes up to, to Peter's cube. Lumberg, that's the guy. I love Gary Cole. He's such and, a good actor. And he's sitting there and he does the thing where he's got his hey, arms Peter. over the two <laughs> ends of the op- of the opening of the cube, blocking his exit. And he's sort of casually strolling around, <laughs> dri- sipping coffee. And, and uh-huh. you know- Gotta got make sure he gets that memo about the new uh, cover sheets for the TPS. <laughs> there is something, a, a feeling of being trapped- that you get oh, when right. you're in a cube and someone yeah. approaches the entrance of the cube and now you're, even though you didn't feel trapped five seconds ago, you feel trapped as soon as their presence is there blocking the entrance. And oh, and it's yeah. like, but there's this weird thing because you've got the fake lights above you. Mm-hmm. You've got <laughs> other people those. around you who you can hear, but not see. Please hold. And it's like, there is just some strange 
feeling about being in that environment that's it's like all of the all of the experiences that would make you feel like you're free they're still there but they're just out of reach you can't like, really and move around like, in the oh, cube. We've gotten more humane cubes where like now we've, in some cases, and these are like old school cubes, right? Yeah. Which are not cheap, just so no. clear. Like it, the, 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 the rap over the years became, oh, the open office or the, you know, the non-private office office is we do it partly out of, you know, economics. We say it's because of collaboration and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, my, my understanding is it's actually pretty costly to put up. Uh, if you really can account for all the like specialized, you can't repurpose much of anything from your previous office furniture. Like it's cubes, it's desks. Yeah, they're they're you know. they're attached, and they have to go with a certain one and a certain brand and everything else. But like it, it really it is kind of dystopian in a lot of ways. I mean, we we have our fun, but like, how different is it from Neo being in the pod? It's you know, no different. A, it's the same battery. thing. That's what it is. And when when Peter in in Office Space, spoiler alert, but at one point he um, n- removes one of the walls That's dramatically of his cube, and he's now looking out the window. Yeah. Right. And I I remember just wanting to do that because like you're literally you're against the window and could be looking out, but there's a wall blocking you from looking out. It's like no, you want to see out, you can't. And that, that's a, that's, you know, that's not really not so different from having a, a sibling who grabs your hand and hits you and says, why do you keep hitting yourself? <laughs> like the, the cube farm job, no matter how good your job is, unless you really literally get a hard on being in a cube, it's going to be, it's so dehumanizing and there's so much, it really, I feel like is, um, autonomy, synecdoche, it's very symbol, symbolic of the, the, um, paper walls that you have to agree to when you have a job, mm-hmm. all the stuff that's explicit and implicit. And there's certain things that start out as like, there needs to be a big culture of like, here's a rule book. And obviously here's a rule book and a code of conduct. It was much more like, this is when you have to be here. This is when you can go like, here's where lunch is. But then the more time you spend, get my back on this, the more time you spend in an office like that, or really almost any office, the more implicit rules and mores you pick up yes and like you're not allowed to say could you please get out of my way or could you please stop talking to me and that peter really represents really i think almost anybody who's been in that situation and kind of wants to kind of starts to freak out a little bit or even just like (laughs) to pivot back sees the matrix and goes this is not a way to live right and, you know, uh, I've mentioned this on the show before, but, uh, you know, the band that I was in in the 90s, we do that uh, unnecessary two-minute song at the end of this uh, this program each yes, week. And, uh, and Bacon Ray also uh, did a song of my writing uh, called Sundays in a Row. That's always been kind of a special song to me because it was a, basically about that feeling. I wrote it in 94, 95, recorded it in August. We recorded it for a seven-inch, August 95. But the thrust of the song is, so I used to, Locate. I used to love used bookstores. I would still love them if there were more of them. And I, I used to collect like weird office books, like books about like efficient, like, you know, this is long before my 43 folders days, but like I would just find like weird books about like, you know, how to do 10 key, but like old vintage weird books. And there's this one, I think the name of the book was called Your Health and Your Earning Potential. And it was a book that was actually put out by an insurance company. And you're supposed to get your health and your earning potential. And this is a book from, I want to say, 50s or 60s that you would give to your employees to say, like, you know, straighten up and fly right. Like, if you want to go far here at the company, you know, you're going to have to do these things. But in any case, what I remember is, I remember, like, for obvious reasons, this stuck in my head. But it did have something in there about how you have to take occasional time off. Like, if you don't take, 
if you don't take um, take Sunday off, you'll end up taking all of your Sundays in a row, which I thought was such a great line because they're basically saying you're going to have to be hospitalized. And not in not in the nice hospital, mm-hmm. like in the Danny, like you're gonna go into the Jack Nicholson and Danny DeVito hospital. That's one of be my cigarettes, Nurse Ratched. <laughs> Hit me. Hit but me. you know what's weird is like, Hit why me. didn't he Hit get me. them? They were his. <laughs> he should be able to have them if he wants them. Well, Nurse Ratched, she's got a job to do. But uh, then that became the song Sundays in a row. And if I can find it, I'll put it in notes. Um, you know, it's uh, it's just it's kind of about that feeling of like. We cannot, there's no escape velocity from our jobs right now. Like we, you know, you remember that feeling of being in your 20s and you're, uh, as to quote John Mulaney, you're like a Motown singer. You're just, you know, young and dumb and pretty and you'll just do anything to impress your boss. And then pretty soon that, that becomes so malignant. You keep doing it even though you hate it. You know, oh, when I worked other- in the cube, in the cube farm, did I ever tell you the contest that I always had with my boss? The secret was contest the, that was uns- the lights. Yes. I'll tell yeah, it again. Tell you told an yeah, old yeah. story. I'll no, tell no, an tell old it. story. <clears throat> so I used to go, I used to work at this company. It was, it was, was this the CELAC? No, this was, uh, this was before that. And it mm-hmm. was a, I think they had about 7,000 employees in a call center. And then they had another thousand employees like writing code. And this was for a telephone. This is kind of similar, right? It was, but it was for a telecommunications billing system company. Which I don't think you could get more boring than that. And it's, my, definitely, it's definitely up there. My boss yeah. <clears throat> took pride in being there before everybody. That was like, he was the director and he was like, his goal was to get there before everybody else. And I used to, to be- to, to model well or to like, just mostly to show off? Oh, t- totally for grandstanding and showboating. There was not, he was not trying to model any behavior. He was, okay. uh, he it was, was it did, did it seem uh, wholesome? No, it was almost passive aggressive. He was kind of demonstrating. Perform- really performative. Yes, yes. And yeah. so I, I had no problem getting up early back in those days. I was very much an early riser. And so I said, you know, I wonder what time Bill gets in. I don't want to say his last name because I know he listens to the show. So yeah. I, you've already said too much. There's a lot of, you know, there's only so many bills in the world. I know, but he was very, if you imagine Lumberg without the suspenders, that's, and that's him. That's really was him. And so I, I thought, well, you know, I've been getting in at like, I've been getting in at like eight something. So what if I get in right at eight? So he's already mm-hmm. there. Lights are already on. I'm like, all right. So seven forty five. No, he's still there. 7.30, he was not there yet. I turned on the lights. And the, the response, for, it was like I had bulldozed all of the entire furniture out and he walked into an empty. He like, he was, I saw him, I saw him show up. I heard him walk in. I bet he it felt looked, like you basically walked up to his plate and took food off it. If you did it like a Howard Hughes. Exactly right. Music. It's exactly. Like, what are you doing? That's, this is my right. job, not yours. Yeah. And he looked around he, and he had to go up and down every aisle to find out who had done this. Yep. And he got to me and he's like, oh, in early today. I'm like, mm, yeah, this is probably when I'm going to get in now. And he's like, oh, good. Good for you. Good for you. Next day I get in 7, 7, uh, 30. He's already there. Lights are on. I'm like, fine. 725. <laughs> That's a very full life. <laughs> I got him. I got it so that we were both getting there before seven o'clock in the morning. Just, yeah. and he, until I eventually gave up, I'm like, I can't keep doing this. But he, it was such a thing that he started getting there. I think he was there at 630. 
because he couldn't stand the yeah. fact that I was getting there ahead of him. And he still had to work the, the full had to day. Start increasing the amount of time that he came in early yeah. to account for your, you get like a real, That's, real like yes. uh, prisoner's dilemma yes. situation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I wondered how early I could have taken it. When, what would have been his breaking point? What would have taken to break Bill? I'm trying to think of like, you know, you know what? Oh, he's Seinfeld. Do you remember Seinfeld uh, when George is working for the Yankees? Yes. And he just leaves his car parked at work. So Will, not, so Will, not Wilhelm, but whoever it is, always thinks that he's there early or late. And then something happens and George, it's George's car is stuck. He can't, like, he can't leave. He had to the sleep there or dies. something. Is that what happened? And it's covered with like trash and, and bird crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where's George Costanza? Is he okay? Uh, let's see. What else do we have? That was, I'm going to, like I say, I'm going to need to go through Descript and figure out what that was about. Um, did, did you have, uh, something you want to tell me about that you like? I actually do. It's uh it's oh, a good. lovely new sponsor called Madian. Oh, I was contacted about this brand. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about this. Me they got too. those stainless steel pans I want. They have some really great stuff. Okay. So let me, all let right, me just t- right, tell you right. about this. So yes, one of the things I often wonder now that the world <laughs> is, the world is opened up Merlin. We can go out again. If you're vaccinated, you can go out. You can go to a restaurant. That's true. And one of the things I was thinking about, kind of going back into the world as the world is, the doors are open again. I'm thinking, you know, how do restaurants make consistently good food, right? I mean, hmm. and, What's their and secret? It's, it's just like Scotty said in Star Trek uh, 2, the mm-hmm. right tool for the right job. Oh, you know, and that's the short answer to this question of how do they do it? They have access to the right tools. They've got great knives they've got great cookware they've got all of this stuff and all of us want we want restaurant quality food at home right we just don't you know that's really yeah i would love that and if you're serious about having good meals about cooking you got to invest in your tools you got to have the right tools and this is what made in is all about they've got great cookware kitchenware all kinds of products they're used by thousands of the world's best chefs and if quality and craftsmanship (laughs) matters to you at all then you should check out Made it's a contract. In. This is a cookware and kitchenware brand. They work with renowned chefs. They work with artisans. They produce in the world's best pots, pans, knives, and wine glasses. And it, it's it's great stuff. They they've got they're made to last. They've got a lifetime guarantee to them. They use the finest materials. They work with these craftsmen who try it and say, you know what, that knife's not good enough. You can do better. And they come back like I did. We did. No better. kidding. They do that. They do wow. that. This is what they, they got a high, you're saying they got like a pretty high standard is what you're saying. Very high standards. Very high standards. You know what I like? This is the Re- you saying restaurant, restaurant quality? This is what I want. I want you to think about this, Merlin. You've got, you've got a I pan will. on the stovetop, right? And you're, you're doing something with okay. it. And then the recipe okay. says you got to put it right in the oven. Go from the pan on the stove right into the you oven. You can't do that. You melt. You, melt, you, you can melt do that pan. with their stuff. No, you can't do that. Their knives stay sharp. You can only do that in a kitchen. Like, like a kitchen for a restaurant. 28,000 five-star reviews and counting. Huh. Huh, all right. Okay. Still and counting, still counting. So this is their little slogan, better cookware for better meals. I'm going to give them that. Ooh, they can have that. good. I'm an idea guy that can have, this can be yes. up, they're going to put that on a billboard. I'm telling the you for the next you WWDC. You had a very, you have a creative spirit and goes through your own. And, and Hakuna Matata. So What's here's, the name of the company? It's called Made In? Made In. So here's what you do. You go to Made, M-A-D-E, not M-A-I-D. That's, first of all, that's not very- That's a different kind of Maiden. Oh, we don't say that anymore. No. We say Made Day. madeincookware.com M-A-D-E madeincookware.com slash B is in boys two is in the number W is in women so it's madeincookware.com slash B2W the promo code is B the number two W you will get 15% off your first order 
And what I'm, I want to direct people a little bit, okay, if I may, on to, to what to start with here. Because I was looking at this, once I found out they were going to be a sponsor, I came in here and, and, and I said, you know, there's a, lot of good, there's a lot of good stuff on here. There's a lot of good stuff on here. I don't know where to start. Stuff, yeah. But what I'm going to say is there's two things you're going to need. There's two things you want to start with. Always two things with you. The first thing is you need a good chef's knife, even if you only have one. I didn't want to interrupt you, Dan. There is no replacement. If you're not using a knife that you don't have to push, mm-hmm. you really need you need a good knife. And once you get a good knife, you sharpen and hone the one you've got. Like in this case, you get one of these maidens. Like <laughs> you're not going to believe the difference. It's, your game changes. You have self-esteem for the first time in your life is what I'm going to say. I, you're right. You're absolutely right. So that's you know, what I'm going to say. The you, second be, thing. Be good to yourself. Be true to your school. Get a decent knife. The second thing is you need a really good, like a, a good saute pan. And they've got a, a non-stick one and a, a, I guess a stick one. And Why not? They got, they got the, the fry-ish pan with the sort of like, um, you know, rampy edges. Is the saute pan the one with the like wall-like edges? Everything stays in? Yeah, because I think that's the saute pan. That looks really nice. They're really, really good. And they actually have little videos that show you the thing. But listen, people get scared. They think they need nonstick. Hmm. They have a stainless clad frying pan on there that you would be surprised. A little oil, you're going to get, mm-hmm. I think you get a better sear when it's not nonstick. Is that crazy? Is that oh, crazy? Hondo percent. I've been scared to get a stainless steel because I'm already such a monster with my, I drive my family crazy with trying to do upkeep on these dumb cast iron pans. I've decided they've committed to keeping nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've heard about stainless steel pans. Dan, I've been scared because sometimes they can be a little costly. And I, you know what? I'll be, if I'm being honest, I don't know if I deserve it, but you've made me think I might deserve it. 800 degrees. You can go right from the stovetop to us to an oven. And oh, I thought it was a skate move. Okay. 800 degrees. I remember when they did a 720. That was a big deal. That was around the time of office space. 420. Tony. Yeah. Blaze it. Tony Hawk. Am I right? Huh? Okay. Made in cookware.com slash B2W promo code B2W, B2W. for 15% off your first order. Go get Thanks very hands. much to Made In for making this show possible, Merlin Man. That's, that's Made In. Buck, buck. Kiss the pan. Oh, if I'm that for notes too. <laughs> Only English people can fly. You know, um, Mr. Show was very far ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. Uh, kiss the pan. Uh, there were some, there's a lot of open parentheses there. Mm. Do you still use Sublime Text? Yes. I, did I just see it got a, an update? Did it? I thought mm. I saw something come across my transom. Because it has been before. going super slow on Big Sur, I must can I say. You, can I ask you a question? Go for it. Um, can, is doing your preferences still like a text config file thing? Uh, J, it's a JSON format file, yep. Oh, but do you get a GUI for it now? I think. Hold on, let me... No. That's okay. Don't worry, but don't worry about it. No. Have you messed with um the Microsoft Visual Yes. What's it called? Visual Design? Yes. Visual Studio. Mm-hmm. Um Visual Studio Code. Mm-hmm. I heard about this from a friend of the show, Casey Liss, on ATP. And uh, you know, I, I he's been in the bag for Microsoft for a long time, not in a sexy way. Um, but he was talking about how good this is and all you know me, I'm always looking, you know. I got them all. I got them all. I still have textmates sitting around. Textmate, which is constantly asking me for my password for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe I got hacked. But like, um, you know, I'm always playing with these. I'm always playing with, uh, as Alex and I like to talk about, I'm really big on stuff like uh, Espresso for my CSS. I love I love a good GUI app for doing stuff. Of course, you got the panic, you know, um, ones. But I open, I open up Visual Studio Code. 
pretty good. It's good. It's good. It's. Solid. I think it's actually. You know what? It's actually real good. It even has an integration for Home Assistant, so you get a Visual Studio Code style web browser. I mean, I'm, I imagine this is some kind of extended extension ish thing that you could probably put in lots of things like a Dropbox sign in. But it's so great to be able to to. It's really cool, and you can really tweak a lot of stuff on it. You can also then, like, I love the new thing where things let you um, log in through GitHub to sync settings between things. Um, but yeah, I was just curious what you thought. Did, well, so I looked, I, you, I looked at this May 21st, a mere yeah. four days ago. The first stable release of Sublime Text Force finally arrived. We've worked hard on providing improvements without losing focus on what makes Sublime Text great. There are some major cool. new features that we hope will significantly improve your workflow and a countless number of minor improvements across the board. Here it is to download. Yeah, look at that. Um, and when you're, forgive me, I'm so, I'm so ignorant and I don't want to guess. When you're doing stuff and you're you're still doing mostly Ruby on Rails stuff for your mm -hmm. app stuff. Mm -hmm. What are you what are you using for that? Sublime when you're text. when you're like doing Ruby Rails things. It's always Sublime Text. Really? Always. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you got that the way you want. It's all all hooked up the way you want. Um, I mean, I keep it, you know, me, man. that's what I'm saying. You know, keep I mean, you want stock. a development environment that's familiar. You don't want, you don't want your, your dollar path to just like, I realize somewhere. that I'm doing things in a way that might be cons considered as old fashioned in like, I actually type get commands. I don't use integrated get stuff. And like, it seems, but like the muscle memory and the mental muscle memory mm -hmm. is so strong for that, for me that actually like abandoning it and trying to learn a new way would actually slow me down for a period of time. And because I'm it's like a drummer trying to learn a, like a drummer who starts out as a rock drummer, somebody like a Bev Bevins or whoever, like you start out as a rock drummer and then you want to learn, or I think Neil Peart did this too. Were you Peart? Peart. You have to like uh, learn the, the correct like proper grip for drums, which is almost like relearning drums, right? Or like in changing your, case, your golf you swing or something. Like ten years yeah. in, yeah, 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 exactly. You have to unlearn a lot to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, um, we have some things in. I don't know. This one's a little bit of a shambles, Dan. I I, I could probably just fill up the rest of this time with a little bit of a mini thing. Uh, but where would people find uh, show notes for episode 532 of your Back to Work program? Oh, yeah. They're just going to go to backtowork.limo slash 532. That's it. 532. That's all it takes. Okay. So here's going to be my pseudo all-in-one topic that I can blaze through pretty fast. Okay, good. You know me. You know Merlin 2021. I feel like you're getting to know Merlin 2021. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's, he's trying to be a better person. He's trying to be less of a, as we say in Ohio, less of a dick. Okay. Um, and you know, and not always working, but that's not the, that's the, you know, if you're, if you're doing meditation to relax, you know what I'm saying? Go sit under the Bodhisattva tree and wait for the apple to fall. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. In this instance, I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be less uh, unnecessarily negative. I'm trying not to yuck on people's yums. I, I, but I also don't want to become an idiot or rebecome or continue. Okay. I don't want to be an idiot for all of my life. And I think that's a balance. It's, it's a balance to strike. It's a needle to thread. You know, it's it's like one of those uh, you know World Trade Center uh, lines to walk. So um, I just wanted to talk about a can I talk about a little bit of a rat king of of pseudo related topics ghosts in my own head? Yeah, definitely. The um, so we talked now probably a couple three five twelve weeks ago after the most recent Apple event. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. Did you get anything? Did you get a laptop or something? Did you, you didn't get anything in the latest round? No, no. I'm really wanting one of the M1s though, but I'm waiting for one with a bigger screen. It sounds like it might be worth holding out for this, whatever M1X or whatever, the MacBook Pro. It's the, yeah. the, the one that they, they talked about is on ATP and like, 
I mean, they had to get a squeegee when they were done. Everybody's so excited about <laughs> the leak. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, Marco, Marco exudes a lot of uh, very, very musky moisture when he gets excited about a laptop. Mm. But according to, like, I guess is this partly out of that ransomware thing where, like, there's been these leaks? I don't follow this stuff. I, I could probably care less but not buy a lot. Um, but supposedly this new one's going to have like everything everybody's been wanting, like obviously still the better keyboard, uh, no touchpad for people like Marco, you know, <laughs> headphone jack on the left side, more USB-C, uh, you know, and, and all of, all of the things. It sounds like it's probably better to hold off. What did I get? I ordered some air tags as we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I ordered, of course, cause I get every new Apple TV. You know, it's mine is out for delivery today. The new Apple TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very interesting time. And Merlin 2021 is trying to be true to his roots here. Let me just say right, right off the top. I'm going to give, I'm going to give my quick version of this before I talk about what my friend Joe had to say about this. Uh, my version of this is yay. It's great. Um, Oh God, this is so, it's so important before you do anything, go into Apple TV, go into settings, go into probably iCloud or somewhere and look for something called like one screen. It's really important that you go in and say, I want to share, unless you have a reason not to and know better than me, go in and say, I want my Apple TV screen as it is to be shared between all of my devices to essentially sync a bunch of stuff from your screen. This will Mm. save you so much time. Um, So if you do, like in my case, I set up the new one while leaving the old one set up, the Apple TV 4K, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And it was actually, you know, it was pretty easy setup. I'll join the, uh, I mean, I'm like Patty Hearst locked in a closet, la, 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 because like the new remote is so much better. It's not the TiVo peanut, but my goodness, it is really, really so much better. I, I guess. Well, it looks like at one, when I was looking at it, it occurred to me that it seems like the, the remote that came after the first Apple TV remote, the other uh, it was the white one, one, the plastic white one. Yeah, forget the plastic white one, but the, the right. first uh, aluminum one. Oh, the one. more curvy edge with like the black. Before the yeah, horrible yeah. black touchpad yeah. one. Well, there's a lot to recommend this. And, you know, this is the sort of thing where like if you want to know about this, you already know about this. And if you don't want to know about this, I'm not going to bore you with it. But, you know, I, uh, one thing I, I do find myself very often agreeing with uh, Syracuse about is like, you know, it's what design is much more than what it looks like. It really is how it works. And the previous remote, which we're not going to beat up on anymore, was not really made to fit in a human hand. Ha ha, falls in the cushions, all that stuff. True, true, true. But the the biggest problem in some ways was that it just did not, it was not a device made for how people would use it with the body and rooms (laughs) that we've got. And the new one is great. Um, My single probably favorite feature maybe is, as you all know, like the, what used to be just that touchpad at the top as Syracuse calls it, the, the diving board, like who puts a hinge on a touchpad these days. But um, it's got, so basically that little area in the middle is a touchpad, which is also a do button. It's also, uh, it's got, it, it with, in, with, with so many asterisks, it's going to drive you nuts. It does like a jog shuttle. But my f- single favorite part is it's like a real legit four-way directional controller again. And right. it's all in the same little bit, which is amazing. And I mean, so like when I'm on here pissing and moaning about trying to play the video game called Hulu, when I'm trying to scroll horizontally with a touchpad and do like eight, the equivalent of like eight lozenges to the right to get through a horizontal menu that's like half an inch tall, boy, it's so nice to have a four-way 
it's it's really so much better. Anyway, um, something I want to talk more about in a sec is the emergence of thread, thread networks, which I know next to nothing about, but I'm incredibly interested in. I also want to point you something. My friend Joe Rosenstiel, who, who's a big shot uh, Hollywood uh, VFX guy uh, and inveterate uh, Apple TV user, like streaming box user. You all know Joe Steele. Joe Steele from the internet. He, he does that podcast with Dan Sturm. Uh, Joe Steele's a great guy. Um, he 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 did some of this. He's uh, he did some of the effects in the Watchmen movie. Mm. Yeah, he's a good guy. But I mean, you know, like like a lot of us, I think uh, Joe has been. How does one say? Because I really want to get the wording on this right. Joe's a pretty tough critic of Apple TV. And um, but this is all in the service of saying he posted something the other day that I really would like y'all to look at for some reasons that I will enumerate. So on his weblog or blog, which is called Unauthoritative Pronouncements, you'll find this in show notes, uh, he does essentially, a re- well, I'll call it a review, a review of the new Apple TV 4K. And there's, there's so much to like about this and so much that feels increasingly rare in how people speak publicly or in how people review even. Because Joe's, Joe's tough. He's tough on it. Because I think one of the things is that Joe is, and Joe's, you know, he's a Hollywood big shot. <laughs> so he's situating the Apple TV. How can I put this? He's not letting Apple weasel out or Apple's fanboys to weasel out with changing the topic all the time, which is a very common fanboy thing to do, which is like, well, you know, we get it because we like it. We get it because this, we're not buying it because of price. Joe really situates this in a way of saying, hey, look, you know, at this point, you can practically buy like an Amazon sticker or a Roku. You can practically buy that at a 7-Eleven for like a fifth of the cost mm-hmm. of this device. It's, it's not reasonable to just keep looking through the lens of historically enjoying, using and enjoying Apple products to understand this, the marketplace, to understand the, how the, its situation in the marketplace and to understand the future of Apple, it's really useful to look at something like Apple TV, right? Yeah. When there are so many devices out there that most of us either don't, I'll speak for myself, the stuff that I used to use, I used to try all of them. I've had so many Rokus. I mean, I've always thought the remote was pretty great for what it is. I've had so many Rokus. I've had so many Amazon sticks, boxes, and other boxes, tall boxes, flat boxes, all kinds of boxes with foxes. Like I've had, I've had so many of these things. I've had, you know, Google dinguses. And right now, I mean, it's almost like the way the iPad mini came along. Everybody bought the kind of not very expensive iPad mini to let their kid play with while they're doing laundry or something. And then they kept it for all those years because they never really needed a better or different one. There's so many people out there buying non-Apple TV devices to do streaming for like a fraction of the cost and getting most of the stuff that they want or need out of that. So anyway, Joe comes into this, and I'm just trying to set some context here to explain why I think this is a good piece. Because you know there's going to be Apple people, Apple fanboys who get mad about how much Joe holds their feet to the fire on this product. But um, he makes some very, very good points. Um... Here's a, here's a few of my compliments about why I like this piece. Um, what did I write down? I said, reading Joe's piece, um, it makes me feel happy, sad, sad. Um, happy and sad and sad. The happy is, this is really well done. Joe is doing something here that, that not that many people do anymore. One of the first things I noticed, I kept bracing, I kept waiting f- for Joe to do the thing that I do and that a lot of other people do 
which is saying something that is your strong opinion, like well stated, and then feeling the need to cover your ass by doing a bunch of, hey, you guys, just so you know, I'm just saying, blah, 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 blah. I kept waiting for the thing I would do, which is like, go like, hey, everybody, don't yell at me. I swear to God, I'm still part of the tribe. He doesn't do that in a very cold-eyed way, in a way that some people might find basic. He really goes through what this thing is for. He's doing a very, very sort of, you know, little kid seeing the emperor go by thing of like, this is what <laughs> right. Apple says this thing does. This is how Apple has situated this on, on the market. And without needing to say the grace note in this is, hey, guys, go do the thing that you imply that you do. And he does this very, like, you know, to quote Jeff Beck, very blow by blow way of walking through why we're still not there yet with the Apple TV. I think he does it in a very, a very sane and reasonable way. And he, what reason it makes me happy and then sad and sad, the happy part is I think this is very well done. He avoids a lot of the traps that people like me fall into with their writing or their discourse. And he does a real good job with it. Now, the folks who are, you know, like like me, a lot of the time, Apple fanboys are going to get to some of this and go like, oh, dude, like, you know, what's the matter with you? But he points out some such great things. What's the main thing Apple says? And he quotes broadly from this interview recently where, where Johnny Apple TV, whoever the dude is at Apple's like, oh yeah, well, you know, we're not putting this up against PS uh, or Xbox. We're doing this and we're doing that. And like, oh yeah, it costs a little more, but you get all this stuff. And he, the scales fell from my eyes as he said so many things that like, I'm like, yeah, I should do that. Like, yeah, the one screen thing. Well, first of all, it's not advertised as a way, it's not advertised as sync or backup. It's, it's designed as a way to say, like, if you're in like a, if you're in an office with six TV screens, make sure the screens are always the same. It's not presented as what I'm using it for, which is when I get a new Apple TV, make sure all my stuff is there. And then once you do do that, he really walks through the experience of setting one of these things up that has gotten so much better, but he points out so much great stuff. Hey, yeah, and go read it. Don't, don't take my word for it. Go read it. But all this stuff of like, you know, for example, you, um, you know, Apple's got iCloud Keychain. Yeah. And you've already kind of opened iCloud Keychain in how you're setting this up. It isn't like that's being kept over here in the salt mines and you're not allowed to go see your Keychain stuff. So yeah, it can remember all where my lozenges go on screen, but it doesn't remember any of my logins. Is that is that nothing that you could help me with given that you have the Keychain stuff for that? Like, do, is it, is it really going to be, you know what I mean? Is it really going to be one of those things? And, and again, yes, yes, yes. See, now I'm doing the thing. Mm -hmm. Thank God this has gotten so much better. It's nice that you can point your camera at a QR code to get Amazon Prime set up. It's great that you can uh, draw near with your YouTube app. And most of the time it'll log you right in and all that stuff. But he makes a terrific point. You know, uh, Apple's other, the way they handle other premium devices will retain as much of your settings, creds, or login information, whatever. It'll retain as much of that as you can to where if you set up a new iPad to, to you know, like restore from the cloud, you go to bed and wake up in the morning, there's a pretty good chance that's going to be your old iPad by the time you wake up in the morning. And you could even say it's going to be mostly the iPad you had before in half an hour. It's just that it still needs to get a lot of those apps and get working. But you, you know, know what's in it? Yes, absolutely. And you know what's something that's really interesting is somebody on Twitter tweeted to, I don't know if you were in there, but he tweeted to me and some of the ATP guys. Oh, about, that do you bring your stuff over? Do you bring own? your stuff over? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's like with all of my, my iPhone is basically the same iPhone 
since the very beginning. I've just continuously restore I, it. And why add would and restore you not? It. Like right. the, I'm glad I started over with my Mac this time. I think it was in the long run beneficial. But like, why would you not do that? Especially if you're like a normal person. Right. Stop acting like somebody who, now I'm talking to myself, but like if you're out there doing like talking about Apple and talking about people talking about Apple, if you're doing that for a living, please have a little broader sense of how other people's day and time and needs work. We saw this very much during the vaccine stuff. Syracuse and I talked about how like, yeah, we're fine to play the game of let's go try to find a vaccine. But like, what if all you have is your time in the break room? Right. While you're on break for your, you know, $13 an hour job with two kids. And like, you're going to use that time to try and log into all of these things. Well, let's start pretending that this needs to work for people who are not tech enthusiasts. And then let's, let's ask questions or make suggestions about how this could be done better. Because, you know, nobody likes to beat up on Apple. I wouldn't be talking about this if I didn't care. It's just that, you know, reading, reading Joe's saying, I wasn't ashamed, but I definitely felt a little bit like, yeah, Joe's right. Like, I'm thrilled. They let Patty Hearst out of the closet, like have a sip of water, then back in you go. You know, I'm glad the remote is better. I just thought Joe did a really good job of talking like how, what a normal person who's buying this because it's the, uh, uh, it's being presented as the best version of this that you can get full stop. Well, shouldn't you expect certain stuff out of that? Like, and again, I'm just going to suggest you go and read it. So the happy part is I love Joe. Joe is great. Hi, Joe. Um, but read this because I think it's very well done. And I think the, the, the happy and the sad and the sad, the sad is it's still kind of a bummer that it's really still not quite there yet, Apple TV wise. And the third, the third sad thing, I guess, is um, I wish there was more writing like this. This really feels like something from the old days of blogs where it didn't need to be a hot take for clicks. Mm-hmm. Um, where you just write you what, could, you, what you think about and what you You can write what you think, but lucidly. Right. And there's, I, and I, again, I, let's, let's bring in the materialism. I know life is difficult for everybody. It's no fun being a freelancer who has to go inflame someone's passions over something you claim to have missed, to, to understand, but have really deliberately misunderstood. Great. That's going to make for a great writing career. You're off to a hell of a start. Um, it's just rare to see this. The, the the final sad is I, I would love to see more writing like this, but it also makes me appreciate it when I see it. So that's Joe Steele's article. You can go check it out in the show notes. Also, I found some days in a row. It's in there if you want to hear me singing sharply in 1995. I don't want to get too much into this, but I, I, I'm going to suggest y'all start definitely, if you're not already, keep an eye on Thread because Thread's really interesting. I kept hearing about Thread. What the heck are you talking about? Um, it's in Notes. And so Thread is a thing I do not claim to understand. This. It's like Clubhouse? Thread is, I, as I understand it, it's not a replacement for Bluetooth, but it's a Bluetooth-ish mesh that's created. Like you've got Thread devices, like, for example, right now, if you have a HomePod mini, if you have the most recent, very recent generation of certain Eve devices, they have a Thread capability. I've heard of this. Which, yeah, so... It's a sort of like self-organizing, self-healing network. And like all network stuff, it's like back in the days where I go, what the F is a token ring? Like, what does that mean? With this, there's a lot of lingo to this that you may may not need to know about. But Thread looks really promising. Okay, let me jump back one sec. Let me jump back one sec before you go into Thread too much. Just back to what you what you were talking about with the setting up of an Apple TV, the setting up of an oh, iOS device, that kind I'm of so thing. I'm so sorry. I skipped right over. Go ahead. Please. No, there, there's something that I wanted to add to that. And that will actually segue nicely into this this Thread thing because I'm going to tell you what I what my, my dream is uh, yeah. for this stuff. So here's the weird thing. 
the most recent iOS device that I got, I think is that was the your iPad, probably iPad. Mm-hmm. And so when I got it, you know, you, you, you turn it on, there's a little bit of a, a sign in process. You can use your phone and it just pulls all of your information. I'm guessing from either iCloud or your phone. I don't even care. It doesn't matter to me, but it even sets your password for you to be the same thing as your other iOS device. Like I never set my iPad password. It inherited it from Oh, from the restore. The mm-hmm. restore, which was another Sorry, yeah. like wonderful thing. And and the reason that I bring this up is so many of the things that that happen especially within the Apple ecosystem are dramatically easier if you already have another iOS device or another Mac or another. That's a very good point. And it's like this huge stack has been built that it would be, I don't even know how would a person who doesn't have any Apple devices start if we didn't have this stack that we've already built upon. Like, and, and what really made me think about this was the AirTag because obviously you need like it, it is it is an accessory to your iPhone, basically. That's what an AirTag really is. But it's not really billed that way. And the same mm-hmm. thing with an Apple TV. Imagine well, like if you buy a Tile or subscribe to right. Netflix. These are things that are omnivorous in how you could choose to set up and use Omnivorous them, but- and independent to some degree. But then like the same thing <clears throat> yes. with the Google Nest Hub that I set up a few weeks ago, uh, that you can't, you couldn't possibly dream of setting that up without having those Google Assistant apps on your phone. It's almost like a Chromebook in the sense of like, what if you don't have a phone? If you're not committed to the Google web ecosystem, like really you should probably talk people off. And unless you don't, if if you don't want to be in that web, this is not like buying a Dell. Like you're basically buying an appliance to use Google. Your but yes, and the whole thing is predicated upon the fact that you have these other devices that are already set up and configured, and you're basically already using point. them. Mm-hmm. You can't. It's, it's going to be hard to climb it. in that window if you don't already have that little stepladder of, right. in this case, your Apple device. Exactly. And, and I also want to say, just in passing, I do want to really very much compliment continuing improvements with that. Like as recently as the other, like two days ago, I had to reset. I was trying some different stuff with HomePods. And one of the things I, f- I first noticed, it continues to be relatively easy to set up a HomePod, have your media password ready. But I noticed, for example, it stopped doing that dumb thing where every time you reset it, it goes, hi, I'm Siri. You can't see, but I'm waving at you. I'm like, dude, I've reset you six times today. Please stop waving at me. Like, just give me the presents and take away all the wrapping. Like, it all gets better, better, better. The, the ability to have a remote on your phone. Mm. But again, like you say, your Apple phone. But like a keyboard and a remote, it's a it, that works with your passwords. Like I just want to say kudos. As, while we're criticizing, I also want to say kudos. That's come a long way. But it makes your point even more salient, which is starting from zero. Like let's say it's the thing Apple or any company would talk about, which is like here's growth. We want to see growth in our current users, but boy, we also always want to be seeing new users coming in. You know what's the halo effect that's going to bring them into this entire ecosystem? It's all really good once you're in, but how do you get in? Are they going to jump you in? Like you've got to figure out how to do all this, right? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is like, I can't even imagine how you would start out new. And it's almost like this, there's this presupposition that exists that, well, everyone buying like this stuff already has like the foundational stuff, you know? And, and I find that that is, 
I mean, obviously it's easier to set stuff up if you already have an investment in the ecosystem, but is there, is, are we at a situation in history where you're not going to have some of this infrastructure already in place in, in starting out on it? Like if I were to buy a new iPad today, I've got my old iPad, I've got an iPhone, I've got a Mac, so I'm like, I'm set up. And if I was, but like when I went and got this um, Google Nest Hub, it it's like, go ahead and launch this application. If you don't have it, go here to download it. But you're already assuming that I have a smartphone. Well, of course I have a smartphone right. if I'm buying a Google Nest Hub, right? Well, maybe not. Maybe not necessarily. What if what if that's it, it, supposed a scene, to be? I don't device. think you you didn't watch Halt and Catch Fire, right? No, I have not yet. There's a, there's a scene in uh, for Prison. There's a scene in Halt and Catch Fire where uh, one of the characters has I don't know sort of for the for the purposes of this discussion has sort of cashed out of uh, he's <laughs> essentially retired early from his his tech doll. All you need to know is that he's got some dough. He's very curious. Yes, he does a lot of cocaine, and he basically buys in his garage. He buys all the things. Like there's just this wonderful scene of him like acquiring every PC that was available, pretty much every PC that was available in 1985, every game console, all of these things. And there's just the scene of him sitting at his desk, like just surrounded by boxes mm-hmm. of all of the best consumer tech that's sort of available at that time. And like in this reason I say that here is imagine somebody, imagine some some douchebag with a Tesla who suddenly came into a bunch of money and goes, it has the classic poor kid problem of now I want all the things. Mm-hmm. And like you went and you used to be like, I don't know, Linux person even. And you wanted to go all in on Apple. I wonder what the curve is like. Where do you start? And what is that curve for getting? I'm imagining for most people, like it used to be an iPod, you know, in the mm-hmm. early 2000s. And mm-hmm. now today I, I imagine it's an iPhone. But like getting to where that's all set up together and I mean, just take some of the stuff like this. And this is, I don't have time to continue with this, this Rat King today, but just suffice to say, I've been dealing in this weird thread world and in this weird network stack world. I've, I had to spend a lot of time this weekend fixing some stuff that broke for reasons that were not clear to me. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it. But like, it's, uh, it, it is, it's a little bit bananas, like the hoops that you have to go through to... It's difficult to know what point in the stack anything is happening. If you, I don't know, man. I just feel like getting into the Apple ecosystem right now. It seems like it might be might be kind of weird. It seems like it might feel kind of crazy. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't have time to go into it. I'm sorry. But so so I agree with you. So was your iPad setup process satisfactory to you? Yeah, I mean it was fine, and that's exactly the way that it should be when you're when you're in a situation like that. You should just be able to turn it on follow a couple steps, but now talking about your whole thread thing. Yeah. To me, again, I have told you in the past and I still maintain this. Nobody really wants a phone necessarily. They just want the things that the phone gives them. There are oh, some yeah. people who are like in the same way that uh, certain people it's, are. Marketing is what associates those things with a consumer device, but right. like, the, like the old, the thing that's been attributed to the guy at Razorfish is that nobody really wants a drill. People want to be happy. Yeah, right. Why do why, you buy a drill? So you, why do I get a drill? Because I want to put a hole in my wall. Why do you want a hole in my wall? Because I, I, uh, I need to put a screw in. What, what's the screw for? The screw is where I hang a painting. Why do you want to have a painting? Uh, I have a painting because it makes me happy. Right. And that's, right? that's, I mean, that's the whole that concept. Kind of yes, that's exactly, yeah. exactly it. And, you know, if you think about the things that you use a phone for, you say, so I like my phone. I like to read on the phone. Do you, you know, maybe you do, but there are so many things about that particular device that you might say to yourself, well, I, I do just kind of want to know the movie times. So I didn't really want to have to like look at a website for that. And 
there is this idea of like the setting up of all of these different electronic components that exist, these little devices, yes. these things that even though they play very nicely together, that and every this, single one of them. You misread one thing in step two, it could right, be game over. Right, yeah. right, right. It's like assembling Ikea furniture, you know, where like you mm-hmm. see that the one thing is lined up the yeah, different I can't, way. And, I can't convince the kids this. You know, you, if you're doing Ikea, the Ikea furniture, like which is an, a metaphor for life, mm-hmm. like first, first thing you do, I know nobody wants to read the manual. You think you don't need to read the instructions. But like, first of all, identify whether you have everything it says you should have. Mm-hmm. And then I swear to God, people, I swear to God, if there's one thing you could do to improve your life. I ran into this setting up a, a, a rolling cart thing recently. There's so often where it looks like you have eight identical screws, but A, you have two kinds of screws of which there are four each. And the thing you're not going to notice because you thought you could just look at the picture is that you don't realize that in step one or two, it's very important that you start here at this place, putting this handle on first. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yes. It's one of those things where like, it's such a cascade. Oh, I learned a great phrase for this the other day, it, but it's like a cas- cascading failure, uh, like where you are now going to have to go all the way back. Dan, you ever miss a step with a Lego? Mm-hmm. You got to take everything car. apart. You can take everything apart and you have to sit there and like do this like uh, disaster, like fault analysis on like where you missed a step. I this, I remember what I was going to say. The, the one I ran into in trying to do some of this stuff and I thought I'd try for like the fourth time. I thought, oh, you know, I, I kind of want to go do, you know, I want to try having two old school home pods for my speakers. Problem is it's just way too loud. It's too loud for our neighbors, no matter what. Like for me to be able to hear the voices with my rock and roll ears and then it drives my kid crazy because a boom is really a boom. We're watching game night and like, oh yeah, life comes into frame, yep. life comes into frame and it's like total jump scare. But I've also, because of this, uh, well, however it happened, doing a lot of stuff over this weekend, this has been my weekend is fixing stuff, is that there is a lot of reconfiguring things and a lot of re-adding things to HomePod. Now here's the thing, for people who have... Uh, to. Again, um, uh, somebody on Twitter uh, made a joke about this line of mine. I want to see who it is and credit them. You know, that line of mine, it works great as long as you never use it. <laughs> um, who said that? <laughs> it was somebody. I want to credit them. It, this works great as long as you never use it. Um, if you've got a HomePod and then you, you want to put a thing on your HomePod, or like, you know what I'm saying? Like you buy an Eve device, you buy a Wemo device, you buy whatever device. To their credit, Apple and the vendors have, uh, well, I guess because the vendors have to, have made it fairly easy. You don't need to go to a third-party app. In the case of like, for example, my Logitech camera, there is no third-party app. It is made for, solely for HomeKit. There is nothing to do except set it up at HomeKit, which on the one hand is kind of cool, but on the other hand is kind of not, but whatever, <clears throat> whatever. But here's, here's something that still drives me bananas which is like, let's even say, oh, here's the most basic use case. So you've got a new, you've got Dingus B. This is my new Dingus. Dingus B is going to go, which sounds like a wrapper. I'm going to install this. So what do you do? You bring it up to your phone, for example, your iOS device, and you hit plus. Then you hit add accessory. What happens? A little window pops up, little camera. And you, if, if the code is there, which increasingly I have to say, especially with companies like Eve, I've gotten so much better about putting the code on the device in a place where you can see it when it's plugged in. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable to me how many things like Wemo stuff out there you have to, uh, and then you scan it and it goes, okay, cool. What, do you want it? And, and again, now you're basic, right? So all you got is one, you got one house, you got one HomePod, super easy. And I want it in the room uh, called living room. And that's pretty much it. You're good to go. Unless, unless 
unless literally anything goes wrong. So, for example, you're setting up a new HomePod and you don't know your password uh, because you shouldn't know your password. But let's say you forgot to copy your password. You start setting up a HomePod. You'll notice now you're in one of those mode states as with, like if you get a dialog box or whatever it's called on iOS, you can't flip up to go to the home screen. Mm -hmm. You have to say, okay, or cancel, right? Which is exactly what it's supposed to do. If you're setting up a device and you don't have the information you need or you've got to go do something else or whatever it is, you have exactly one choice. You know what that choice is? Hit the X and abandon the setup Mm -hmm. in in home, right? Which seems like it wouldn't be a big deal. But owing, I think, to the fact that they are so careful about security and that there are timeouts for these various things, the problem is, like, if you started to set that up, you may have left that in kind of an unknown state because, believe me, it is not exposed to you. And the only way you will discover why it won't set up may require more hassle than Apple realizes. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I think so, but in like, in like, so you got to you got to set something up. You got Dingus Beat. You're right. setting up this Dingus. Mm-hmm. This is gonna, let's say, for, for example, I have a new uh, the new Eve Energy that has Thread built in, mm-hmm. and this is not this is not Eve's problem, but like I, I open it up, take it out of the box, I pull it out, take off the plastic, do the things. So easy to set up. All you do is go to HomeKit, hit plus, add accessories, scan, pick room, pick house, pick room. You're done. It's great, and then you can configure it in home, or in the very good Eve app, that's all really good. Let's say, though, for the sake of argument, something happened. I needed to go do something on my phone, order dinner, find a password for my kid. If I'm partway into configuring that thing and adding it to HomeKit, and I hit the X to go out, when I go back to set it up again, start over, mm-hmm. there's a pretty good chance it's going to say something like, this device cannot be added to Home. Or, this device has already been added to Home, reset to do it. Because it's in a state where it will only let multiple devices be vulnerable and connectable for so long, right? If you go to set up a Bluetooth device and you hit the thing, that's not going to be scanning for devices or accepting of connections Mm -hmm. for two years. It's a limited amount of time. Now, how do you know that it didn't work? Well, you'll probably figure that out. But guess what happens? Like, so, okay, let's just take that really pretty straightforward example. Something went wrong with configuring this device and I had to get out of there. I don't know whose fault this is, but it's not their fault, but it is their problem, as Marco says. <laughs> so now what? You go and set it up to reset it. Well, Dan, how do I reset it? I mean, I, I, I'm Johnny New Guy. I got, what does that mean, reset it? Right. Why well, would I why? need to do that? Who does that? Better, it's probably not in the quote unquote quick start guide. Right. Heaven forfend we give you an actual manual anymore. No, you're going to be like me and you're going out and you're Googling stuff. Do you know what to Google for to reset that device? Now, listen, listen. I love you, listener. Stop acting like you and act like somebody else. I'm not even going to talk about a notional dumb family member. I'm talking like just a normal civilian who just wants to have this fun stuff in their life. Now they've got to go, how, how do they begin to figure out how to fix this? Well, if they're lucky, they'll go out, they'll Google it, and they'll learn that almost every device either has a, a specific physical reset button or like a little pin thing that you can like stick. But even in Eve, which are my current favorite kind of smart home devices generally, it's slightly different in each thing. How long do you hold it, right? When you, when you reset it, I reset an iDevices thing recently. I think it was iDevices. You reset something and like there'll have to be a diagram to say, wait till it blinks red. Wait till it blinks blue. Keep holding it. Wait nine seconds. Wait till it blinks red. Keep holding it for nine more seconds and then let go. And then wait for it to start blinking yellow. 
if you find those instructions, that's the instruction. But let me get you to another one. So that's a real pain because mm. you just got a new thing. You took it out. You spent a hundred bucks on this. You took it out. And now that's your afternoon. Um, but then there's another one that's really frustrating. Have you ever run into this one? Let's say you're, you're, you're a smart doobie like me and you know stuff about stuff. And you know that sometimes you just got to reset stuff. Sometimes like I have like old, you know, like I'm trying to sort of sunset my Wemo things, the Belkin Wemo things. I'm trying to sunset the iHome things. They're just not really as robust and modern. Um, but I might want to grab the iHome that I used to use for the Christmas tree lights, right? But I removed it a long time ago. I reset it. And now I go and try to add it in HomeKit. And guess what happens? It says you, you can't add this device. Now, did you ever notice that if you, if you ever like hit that button that says, um, I don't see my device here? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. There's a button when you're configuring in HomeKit and it'll be like, you know, if you don't see your device here, um, which is a very general sort of way to present what you're about to see, which might be nothing, but it might also surprise you sometimes, you know, just for fun, just for fun. If you've been in the HomeKit family for a while, just for fun, hit add accessory and say, I don't see my device here and see what shows up because guess what? HomeKit has a memory sometimes, sometimes <laughs> there will be stuff in there. I can almost <laughs> promise you there's going to be stuff in there that is not on your, if you're, if you've been using this for two years, there's going to be stuff in there that you haven't used in a long time. And it's going to offer you the opportunity to bring that back. I had one in there this weekend called smart hub Two, and it had the little green dots with the lines, smart hub Two. Dan, what's smart hub Two? I have no clue. Me neither, but it's in there. Is that the thing I want to reset? Well, if I got it wrong, I just start over, whatever. I'm sorry. I just, I think this stuff matters. Why I like Joe's article and why I want y'all to think about this is, um, I think it's, I think it's valuable. It's valuable to know that by and large, pound for pound, I buy an Apple thing. I'm not only going to like it better than other things. It's going to work better in my world than other things. But I don't think, I'm not saying we should be nasty about it because those are all real people working hard. Everybody I've ever met working for Apple, as we like to say once a year, they care more about it than we do, like so much of the time. I don't know how much that goes up the chain at every single level. They may not care as much about the same things as we do, but they do care and they're, they're, they're trying to do a good job, often under surprisingly meager resources. When you find out how many people are actually working on a thing that's important to what you do, mm -hmm. it can blow your mind. Um, but I do think things like this are valuable. So thread, too much time. We got to, God, an hour and 25. Uh, thread is really cool and check it out. My tip, uh, I can't prove this. You know, I love Eero. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. They, mm -hmm. they sponsored the show. I mm -hmm. love Eero. I just bought a new Eero. Oh, what'd you get? Literally last week. I, based on Snell's advice, I got the Eero, I think I got the six non-pro. What is the pro? What does the pro bring to the table? The biggest, the marquee feature is like, if you've got fiber, you want the Pro 6 because that's got gigabit, as I understand it, gigabit Wi-Fi. Mm. So like it, um, on, on a good day with a tailwind, I get like 580 down. Right. So if that translates, hope it'd be amazing if that translated to 500 down for Wi-Fi. Um, but I did want the Wi-Fi 6 stuff. I just want to toss this out. There. I can't prove this, but if, you, if you're like me, like so my, my, my stuff blew up. Like things just stopped working. And I'll save this for the next show because it is kind of interesting. Yeah. I had to explore so many different parts of my tech stack starting on Friday evening. Because guess what? If, every, if everything suddenly stops working, like including the Hue lights, I'm going to hear about it. If suddenly the lights don't turn on and off with the tap switches, 
that were single-handedly, I mean, that's the real dad in the house is the tap switches. The introduction of tap switches is what made Hugh usable in our house five years ago or whatever. When that stuff stopped working, everything went south. You ever do this, you load up home, you load up Hugh, it's not available. Can't reach this. Something broke big time. And I hadn't changed anything. And I'll talk about this more maybe next week, but I mean... I had to do a lot of, and like I said, you know, you end up having to go through every part of the stack. Well, is it this integration on Home Assistant? Is it Home Assistant itself? Is it the supervisor functionality on Home Assistant that needs an update? Go further into the stack. The HomeKit integration and the HomeKit controller integrations, did something break in there? Do I just need to reload it? You go further down, you start going into like all the way down to like, is the Eero doing its thing? It's amazing how much of the time something ends up being related to the router or the modem, or I hate to say this, an Ethernet cable. Like, mm. it's amazing. XLR cables and Ethernet cables, check them, guys, because they do break. But that was, my, that was my weekend. I spent a lot of time with this. And what's interesting is that's roughly concomitant with me. I've had a HomePods Mini for a while, but this was the addition of my Apple TV. I ended up going and looking at Eero, and I don't, know if this is, I don't know if you can do this on every network, every place, but they do have a, you can turn on the Thread network for Eero, and it wasn't until I'd looked around for a while that I learned, yeah, it's Thread, but it's not a HomeKit-compatible version of Thread. And so I wonder if my Apple TV, my HomePods, and my Eve devices talking to each other got into some kind of land war in Asia <laughs> with, with Thread on, on era. I think I'd mostly fix it at this point. Dude, Saturday morning, my Saturday morning was like trying to change the Zigbee channels on my Hue Bridge which is pretty much as sexy as it sounds. And then running through, clean this up. The, the lesson that you'll get from this if we talk about this more, which we probably shouldn't later, um, is, you know, it is great that all of these things work and can work together. But the more things you add, the more complex this is very Chernobyl. The more complexity and relative sort of opacity you add to that, the more one piece breaking can break lots of things. And... Um, and it ended up being really good. And then the thing I was going to mention, you know, about synesthesia. So I had a really good Saturday, like getting a lot of this stuff done. You know how it is, Dan. I, I was a VW owner. I know that if you're going to change the gaskets on the engine, you might as well pull everything out and change anything else you want to change while the engine is out. Yep. So I changed a bunch of stuff about the network, made it better, added some Eve thread stuff that rules, um, fixed a bunch of Hue stuff, d- deleted a ton of cruft from um, my various smart home things. Like, you know, I don't need Aurora Beach Sunset 35 as a scene. Get rid of all of those. Just cleaned up stuff, you know. As long as you're going in, if you're going to do open heart surgery, you know, you, you might as well, you know, take out your cruft. So I did all that, but I would, the, uh, the whole day, uh, for at least four hours, I listened to um, one of my favorite YouTube guys, which is a guy named Adam Neely, who's a bass player in New York, who I like a lot. And I watched um, all of... <laughs> All of the Adam Neely uh, Q and A's. Super deep, fast, uh, deep dive Q&A. rabbit hole. I really recommend Adam Neely. Uh, if you like music, you like music theory. Uh, I really love his approach. It's very humane. It's very down to earth. He's funny. He's snarky, and you can tell that he's really smart. But he he doesn't beat up on people too hard. You know when when they're jerks, and uh, you know with being a YouTuber, that's that's difficult. So that's why that came up, and he has synesthesia. When he see when he hears a G like a G you know below the, the staff yeah when he hears a G that sounds brown to him 
That's you know so about interesting. Yeah, definitely. Where that's can, that's two, where you two, would... two, uh, two senses get confused. Right. So you might, you might uh, like, there's this one guy famously that does that with math so that he can, mm. he actually Some sees. Some people think numbers, numbers are like, so numbers have colors or sounds. Yeah. Right. And he would see a shape that w- so you could give him some impossible mathematical question, which he could do in his head. And the way he's doing it is he's looking at some weird shape and he like drew the shapes and they look like little Martians or something. They look like real funky that little so alien cool. things, but somehow uh, he, so th- that's a number to him. We should really go. I want to mention one more thing in here. This, this, I think when after you did your ad spot, for some reason this felt germane. I really enjoy this podcast called Cautionary Tales with Tim Harford. Hmm. Uh, it's a Malcolm Gladwell network podcast, but I'm not going to hold that against him. And I think this is a very good show. We've talked about this show numerous times on here before. Um, and uh, this episode from four days ago is called Wrong Tools Cost Lives. Um, and I thought it was really good. I, do you remember hearing the thing about um, Britain had, had been sort of almost a little bit like, you know, big dicked, like uh, swinging their lumber around. Oh, we're going to make the best contact tracing anybody's ever seen. And we're going to do this contact tracing. And, you know, the guy with the weird hair made all these announcements. And then something went terribly wrong and a bunch of cases disappeared. Do you remember, like, do you remember this? No, this is not ringing You don't need to remember it. But but this is a few months ago. They were trying to do really good contact tracing. And, like, I think, like, something like 160,000 cases in the contract contact uh, tracking system, like, essentially, like, disappeared. And... Um, I don't want to spoil it for you. You're probably not, you people won't listen to this. You're monsters. It was because of problems with Excel. The version of the Excel document that had been saved and the fact that on the one hand, they'd exceeded the number of rows that this format of an Excel document can handle. But then he also gets into other problems you can have with Excel. No, 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 she didn't eliminate, but Excel was designed, he goes through the whole history of spreadsheets going back to like, I don't know, 14th century Italy, talking about the invention of double entry, um, bookkeeping but also all this stuff i never thought about dan that the defaults in excel are designed essentially kind of designed around certain assumptions about you know usually finance or whole numbers Mm -hmm. right so if you said that this cost you know uh how can i god i don't know i can't do this in my head but if you said this cost you know uh seven million uh 265,138 or whatever. You know you could trim off every zero to the right. But what if that was a social security number? Well, then you should not do that. Well, or what if it was, again, something from a genomic database where that number of zeros is meaningful? The the zeros or whatever it is. Think about that, though. The rounding. Well, you can't round a serial number. Or you oughtn't. Mm-hmm. No, you and I n- I'd never thought of it quite like that. It's like, oh no, if you leave this configured wrong, I mean, let alone what you could in- get into with assuming that rounding up at any level, if you're dealing with like incredibly large numbers, that rounding up has a huge consequence. But I don't know. I thought it was really good. Wrong Tools Cost Lives. Uh, it's a really good show. Cautionary Tales with Tim Harford. He has a new book out. Uh, I think it's called The Data Scientist or some such. But it's a really good podcast and uh, I believe it's in show notes. Dan, is there anything you want to um, tell us about that you're working on? Something you'd like people to look at? No, you didn't tell me, you didn't ask me. I want to be clear. You did not ask me to say this. I'm just, I'm freelancing. No, I'll save it for next time. I'll have more data next time. Anyway, it'll be better. I shouldn't have coffee before I do the show. Oh, is that what happened? Oh, you wish. I don't know. I got a lot of conditions. The first part was kind of good. I don't think it was good. This is what the people want. Do you think this episode will come out? Yeah, well, really? Oh, sure. I'll get this out today. Sure. Really? Yeah. Are you going to edit for content? No. Oh, Okay. 
And you're okay with that. You're all right with that. And sponsors are okay with that. No, they better be. Mm-hmm. Don't even need a reason. Okay, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.